0: please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. I don't know about you, But if you're anything like me, the past five weeks have been an incredibly humbling experience. If you're somebody who's still able to uh, work, you've probably found that your working life has been completely transformed. For instance, I'm still doing the pastor job, but trust me, I did not go to the seminary to learn how to be a video and audio producer, director, and editor. This is all stuff that I'm learning on the fly. And I'm sure you too have been learning new ways to try to get your work done at home if you're still able to continue your work. If you're a kid, this has been an incredibly difficult time, hasn't it? You are completely out of your normal day-to-day routines. You have lost those social connections, those times that you have to be with your friends and your teachers together. And yet, you still somehow must find a way to keep learning. Or maybe you're somebody who has uh, had a big event planned. Maybe it was a birthday or an anniversary, a wedding, or maybe graduation. And suddenly, because of this COVID-19 pandemic, all of those plans, all of those hopes and dreams, the weeks and the months of planning, it's all for nothing. Those events aren't going to happen, at least not in the normal way, not in the way that you thought or planned. And the worst part of all of this We're still not sure when it's all going to come to an end. We're still not sure when it's going to get back to normal. And there are even some people are saying that even when it gets back to normal, normal is never going to be what it was. There will be a new normal. I don't know. You may wonder, why am I talking about all of these things? Those are the things that we hear about in the news and we're talking about in our homes all the time. That's not what I want to hear right now. I want to try to get away from all of that. Just tell me about Jesus. Well, the reason why I bring it up is because if you can take your feelings, those feelings of of sadness, of frustration, of disappointment, of, of anger, if you can take those feelings, I think you can understand our gospel reading a little bit better. Because in our gospel reading, we hear about two disciples that are walking home from Jerusalem to their home, Emmaus on Easter afternoon, and their hearts are filled with anger, disappointment, frustration, and sadness. So if you know what this experience is like, you're starting to get into the world of our gospel reading today. Now those two men in our gospel reading are described as disciples of Jesus, but of course they're not part of the familiar group of twelve, This is just a reminder that Jesus had many disciples. Jesus had a very wide-ranging ministry. He was an itinerant preacher. He went around from city to city, village to village, and his ministry lasted for about three years. So in that time, Jesus had many disciples in many different places. But for these disciples, in a little village of Emmaus, some seven miles away from Jerusalem, they heard, I think, that Jesus was going to be in Jerusalem on that holy week. They heard, perhaps, the stories about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Maybe they even heard the stories about how Jesus entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, And his disciples were proclaiming him the king. They were waving palm branches before him. And maybe these disciples wanted in on some of that action. See, they could come to Jerusalem and not only could they celebrate the Passover with all of their other fellow Jews, but they would have an opportunity again to see Jesus and to listen to him. And so no doubt they were excited to make that seven-mile journey into the city of Jerusalem. They were filled with hope. They were filled with that sense of excitement. Maybe now was the time that Jesus was going to redeem all of Israel. Maybe now is the time that Jesus is going to set his people free. But if they entered the city of Jerusalem with hope that Jesus was going to show his mighty power, that they were going to see some great deed. They left the city shocked that there was no mighty act. Instead of a mighty act of salvation, what they witnessed was a mighty act of defeat. This Jesus, whom they hailed as a prophet, was stripped naked whipped, mocked, and ultimately nailed upon a cross to die. And die he did. And as Jesus was buried in that tomb, the hopes and dreams of these disciples were also buried. They were put to an end. And no doubt by now, those disciples were starting to wonder, They were starting to wonder about God, about God in this world. I think they were starting to wonder if God had lost his way. Can you associate with that? Have you had those same thoughts and feelings during this time of crisis, during this time when all of our lives have been put to a grinding halt? Have you wondered if God is in control? You, in these times, no doubt, have focused on a lot of the bad things that are happening. You can no doubt hear from a lot of people, if not from yourself, all of the problems that this crisis is is causing. It's causing social problems. It's causing problems in our relationships, in our families, in our marriages. It's causing economic problems. It's causing emotional problems. It's causing mental problems. The list could go on and on. And as you think about all of those problems, it's really easy to focus on them. It's really easy to focus on all of the negativity around. But I'm wondering if by doing so, we're missing out. If you are focusing only on the negative, I wonder if you're setting yourself up for even more disappointment, even more grief, even more sadness. And so today, I want to gently warn you. I want to gently warn you not To focus on all of the negativity, on all of the problems and potential problems. Because if you do so, I fear that you will miss out on seeing how God is at work, even in this crisis. Those disciples, they focused on the problem. As they were talking with one another, no doubt they were rehashing how it all went wrong, where it all began, what was the problem. If only those 12 disciples would have planned a little bit better. If only they would have got Jesus away from the crowds, then none of this would have happened. And they went back and forth talking on the path, on their journey home. They didn't even notice that somebody else was walking on that road by them. And as that person approached them, he asked, what is it that you're talking about? He could sense from their tone that, that they were sad, that, that they were grieved, that they were angry. And that anger spilled out even against this stranger. What, what are you talking about? You, you have no idea, do you? You don't know what happened in Jerusalem. How could you? Everybody has heard about it. They were angry. They were angry at this person who had no connection to any of their problems. Maybe that's happened to you in this time, that you burst out against somebody close to you. None of this is their fault, but your own emotions spill over and they need to find something to take it out on. But this stranger, this stranger who walked with these two men, he took the time to point out that maybe the real source of their grief wasn't everything that happened there in Jerusalem. Maybe the real source of their grief was their mistaken ideas about God's plan. And so that stranger walked through all of the scriptures with them to show them that Jesus' suffering and death was not Defeat. It was not a problem. It was not an accident. Actually, this was part of God's plan. This was God's plan because this was the only way to redeem Israel. This was the only way to bring salvation to the whole world. This was God's way, the only way. It wasn't a problem. It wasn't an accident. Jesus tried to help those disciples see this was God's plan the whole time. See, I wonder for you and me, if in those times when you feel a little lost, if you feel maybe even that God has lost his way in this world, if maybe the problem isn't God, but Perhaps it's you and it's me. Now, that's not an easy thing to say, but if we try to look at this, pers- this whole thing from God's perspective, some new ideas, I think, open up. See, we think about this life filled with ups and downs, and we think, yeah, why? Why does it have to be that way? If we are living according to God's word, if we are his people, why can't things be smooth? Why can't the road be straight? But God doesn't promise that. There are going to be ups and downs in this life. Being a Christian won't save you from those things, but being a Christian will help you to reorient yourselves, especially in the midst of all of those ups and downs. Because if we listen to God's word, just as that stranger taught these disciples God's word, we find some things are true. See, from God's perspective, those ups in our life are not those times necessarily when we feel those emotional highs. Instead, the ups in this life might just be those times when God builds trust in you and me, in spite of sin, in spite of, of tragedy, because God's power is made perfect in weakness. And maybe those really bad days, maybe those really bad days aren't about God being lost. It's not about God uh, messing up. Instead, maybe those really bad days are days that God is strengthening us, his children. Because God can work all things for the good of his people. See, when you start listening to God's word, I think it helps you to zoom out, to see things from a bigger perspective. And when you see things from that bigger perspective, you start to realize that that all of these things that we think are are ways that we have been sidetracked from God's real path. When we zoom out, we don't see those sidetracks anymore. Instead, we see the ultimate journey that God is taking us on. We see that the ultimate destination that God is leading us to is the very arms of Jesus, our Savior. The ultimate place that God is leading us is to dwell in the house of our Heavenly Father forever. Those disciples... They could not see Jesus. They did not understand that Jesus was that stranger who was standing before them. Jesus was the one who was speaking to them. They couldn't get that until Jesus at last opened their eyes. And then they got it. They got it when Jesus was there at the table, when he was breaking bread with them. Then they understood, then they saw that Jesus was that stranger. He was the one who was with them. They understood that Jesus is the one who was always going to be with them. They understood that what happened in Jerusalem was not an accident. It was not a failure. It was all part of God's plan. They finally understood that God was in control. It all clicked. It suddenly all made sense. And when that happened, their hearts forever were changed. They left that table. They ran out of their houses and they ran to Jerusalem. Some seven miles they ran to tell the good news that they had seen the Lord. Their hearts were filled with joy. Their hearts were filled with the joy of Jesus. Their hearts were filled with the joy of knowing that God is in control and God is at work. I don't know if this is wishful thinking or not, but it is my prayer that my words today would have the same result and response in your life. Because God's way, God's plan for those disciples is the exact same plan for you and for me. God did not ruin Easter. Instead, God put his Easter in the midst of this pandemic so that you and I would be filled with the joy of knowing that God is accomplishing his plan. God did not ruin Easter. Instead, he put his Easter in the midst of this time of crisis and doubt and fear and anxiety so that instead of our hearts being filled with those things, our hearts would be filled with the joy of Jesus, our risen Savior, so that our hearts would be filled with such joy that we live to tell and spread that joy to others so that they would not be filled with fear, so they would not be filled with anger, so that they would not be filled with disappointment. We live to tell them about Jesus. We live to tell them that everything that was written in Scripture was fulfilled by Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection. And we pray that when we tell them that they would hear and that God would open up their eyes and their ears and their hearts to that wonderful message of good news so that they too would believe in Jesus, so that they too would come to faith and have life and salvation in him. Because that's God's way. That has always been God's way. Jesus even told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. On that Easter morning, Jesus proved that he was the source of life, that he is the way to our heavenly Father. He proved that his death was part of God's plan. And so was his resurrection. And so therefore is our death and our resurrection part of God's plan. But on Easter evening, something different is happening. On Easter evening, Jesus proved that another part of God's plan, another part of God's way is that he would use us. That he would use us to tell others about the good news of Easter morning, to tell others the good news of eternal life, of the forgiveness of sins, of the resurrection. This is God's way. See, you're not lost, you're not alone. God is not lost. God has not lost control of this world. Instead, what we know, what we believe, what we proclaim is that this is God's way. This is God's way. Jesus is God's way to bring life to you, to me, to the whole world. This is God's way to bring joy to you, to me, and to the whole world. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and risen Savior. Amen.